You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday after missing yesterday. We had that huge storm come through New Orleans, basically knocked out power at the house, which killed my laptop and prevented me from recording before I had to go into work. So I'm sorry I missed that. But we'll recap the Warriors game here for you guys because I think a 10-point loss against the Warriors is actually pretty good, all things considered, when Anthony Davis was only playing at 50% speed. We'll dive into that one there and then get into the kind of drama, I guess, that happened after the game between Alvin Gentry, uh, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins as well. And I think... Then we're just going to jump right into a Spurs preview. I'm not going to recap the game against Portland because it's now been announced that Anthony Davis is not playing. It's kind of just, eh, what you can you do? Portland's going to be super motivated in this one. We'll just recap it on Monday. Not much to see here without AD. We can talk then about him resting, kind of. Not resting, but playing it very cautious with this elbow injury. Because this team just doesn't want to aggravate things and make it worse. They want him to now just kind of get healthy because they know they can get into the playoffs and he can do some damage. So, a lot to cover then, even though we're not even recapping the game from last night in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So it's a day late, but I still want to recap the game between the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans. Unfortunately, the power and all of that, as I had just said. But this was a game where you didn't really see the Pelicans at full strength. Yes, Anthony Davis did play, but you look at his impact in the 41 minutes he played where he was 6 of 16 from the field, 1 of 4 from deep, finished with 17 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. Looks Okay, the points aren't too high, and he did go two quarters, the second and the third, without scoring a single point. His damage came in the first and the fourth. And you could see, he just wasn't himself in this one, and I think that kind of tells you all you need to know. Getting only losing by 10 despite that is actually a pretty good thing, all things considered. ED, particularly in the first half and in that second and third quarter, was tentative with the ball. He didn't want it in his hands whatsoever. He was looking to pass first and not be the dominant go-to guy. He did not look like the most dominant player in the league in the game the other night. And if he's playing like that, this team isn't going to win a whole ton of games when you're still not really in that offensive rhythm that Alfred Payton provides you. Now, other guys picked up the slack. Drew Holiday was 9 of 19 from the field. He played almost 42 minutes in this one. 2 of 8 from deep, so the three-point shot not quite going. Got to the uh, free throw line 11 times, though. That's a good number for him. Finished with 9 assists on the night and 28 points. He also has the enviable task of trying to guard Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and a lot of the time spent on Kevin Durant because there was just no one else out there who could do it. In fact, the Pelicans started Tim Frazier in the lineup in this game and did not start Solomon Hill like they had done the game before. That's how much they don't want Solomon Hill out there, that you'd rather have uh, Drew Holiday in his size, which is smaller than 
Solomon Hill guarding Kevin Durant. But all did do his best. That's a long 42 minutes, I can tell you that much. Tim Frazier, in his time, hit two threes, eight, eight points on the night. He only had one assist, though. He was not... So he's tough in this game. He has decent size, but defensively he struggles and just can't keep up with some of these guys that were out there on the court for the Golden State Warriors. He can run the offense while he doesn't pull the strings like Alfred Payton or Rondo does, but he keeps things flowing. He gets this team into early shots, and that's pretty good enough. But he's not a good enough three-point shooter to really space the court properly. Teams don't respect that. They'll let him take open threes, and that can be a problem too, which just kind of condenses this offense down. Look how many times when AD did get the ball that he was double or triple team, which we haven't quite seen as much this year as years past. Because there were shooters out there or other credible scoring threats. That's not really the case when you have Tim Frazier out there. At least with Alfred Payton, he can get to the rim and score. We've seen that. Nikola Mirotic was 10 of 15 on the night. 2 of 7 from deep. You're not going to beat the Golden State Warriors when you're shooting that uh, poorly from deep. But 26 points. Each one more was great in this game. 9 of 16 from the field. He played almost uh, 39 minutes. 3 of 4 from deep. Uh, finished with 4 rebounds. 21 points. He was probably the most consistent and solid Pelican player out there and did a very good job defending too. Uh, you did see Frank Jackson be the first sub off the bench, but he shot one of seven for a total of three points. He hurt this team more than helped, finished with four personal fouls on the night as well. You'd say, yeah, this is great for his developmental minutes, but I think getting worked by some of these guys out there isn't necessarily the best for him. And certainly you could maybe try and win this game another way, but there aren't exactly other options out there because I don't think anyone has a ton of confidence in Clark, which would have been the other guy they played. So Frank Jackson getting 18 minutes going one for seven. Yeah, what else are you going to do right now? Julius Randle in 23 minutes, three of six from the field, 11 points. He was not effective on the night at all. And this is now three games where he's kind of been eh, at best. And you got to have a little bit of a concern there. You know, I think when he's out there, he feels a little too much pressure to be the man on the second unit and be a facilitator and try and do a little bit too much. You know, he had four turnovers in this game, did have 10 rebounds, which is good. But he's trying to do a little too much out there when he just needs to kind of do what Drew does. Focus on being a scorer. Go out and attack and do that. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that when he plays that kind of instinctual level of the game and doesn't overthink things, he is so good. And that's what we saw him do at the beginning of the season when, you know, the, the health was here and he wasn't asked to take on more of a role than maybe he's ready for in this offense. Pelicans didn't help themselves by having 16 turnovers, 24 turnover points for the Golden State Warriors because of that. And of course, the Warriors ran and ran and ran and the Pelicans weren't able to do so. 32 points in the fast break for the Warriors, just nine for New Orleans. They also gave up a number of offensive rebounds, particularly early on. It was only 12 for the Golden State Warriors, but that did lead to 13 second chance points. And you just cannot give the Golden State Warriors second chance opportunities with how good they are. So, you know, you can look at this game and just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, eh, it is what it is. And without Anthony Davis being impactful and his timing's just very off, you can see that from these two games. You know, it's going to be a tough night, but this team played hard. You know, you saw the defense make some great plays. Alvin Gentry said it after the fact saying, look, you know, I thought our defense was really good. And this the, that Warriors team just hit shots that only they can hit that another team would miss. And that's got to be a good thing because then maybe you win those games. And all things, again, considered 10 points, a loss there on the road with, you know, kind of Anthony Davis at like 50 percent. 
and no Alfred Payton. You've got to kind of feel good about that. You also saw Solomon Hill taking way too many threes, which was just two, but they were so bad they make you scream because you don't have Darius Miller out there to take those shots either. So finding another wing you can start to see is so important for this team. And then we got to touch on kind of what happened after the game. And that was the talk between Alvin Gentry, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. So let's hit all of that and their reactions from uh, about what occurred after the fact the next day, all after the reset here. But before we get to that, it is almost football game day here in the Crescent City and Louisiana as the Saints take on the undefeated Rams on Sunday. So make sure you subscribe and listen to Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints breaking everything you need to know down for that big game. And then on Saturday, maybe a bigger game depending on who you root for, but LSU, Alabama, in Baton Rouge, night game under the lights. It doesn't get much bigger than one versus three now as we take a look at the college football playoff rankings. And you know who is looking at that and is always looking at all things LSU? That's Matt Moscona with Locked on LSU. So listen and subscribe to both of those podcasts. They're giving you everything you need to know about the biggest football games upcoming this weekend. So after the game, it appeared there was some drama between Alvin Gentry, Anthony Davis, and former Pelican DeMarcus Cousins. They were all seen talking together after the game. AD had his jersey over his mouth, which a lot of the players do, just so you can't read their lips or anything like that. And then things looked fine. They chatted. DeMarcus Cousins is very animated, as always. And then things started to look like they get got a little bit heated. He kind of looked angry and then said something just seemed to storm off and kept looking behind and started yelling back at them, kind of. So, you know, you could, and a lot of people did, read a whole lot into this. And maybe they said something to each other that pissed DeMarcus Cousins off and that's it. Here's the thing, though. And what I, my initial reaction upon seeing this was that if DeMarcus Cousins was upset, He'd have tried to fight one of them. I don't think he would have just walked away. We've seen him in games go after guys and then get ejected or after the game try and confront them in the tunnels. It happened here in New Orleans with the Warriors. And I think it was Draymond Green. And so if he was really upset, you think he just walks away from anything? No, not at all. And Alvin Gentry spoke about this Um before last night's game. This is according to Sean Hyken. And by the way, someone hire Sean. He's awesome. He says, and this, I'm just reading his tweets here. Alvin Gentry unprompted addressed, uh, addresses a reported confrontation between him, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. And quote, it couldn't be further from the truth. It pisses me off. He said he called it, quote, unprofessional and irresponsible to report. Said they were just catching up. And here's the full comment from Alvin Gentry regarding all this. This is a long quote, but we got to read it here. And he goes, <clears throat> it's quote, can I say something before we start? Before we officially start, it's mainly for our guys. I've been getting all these texts from media about a confrontation between me and DeMarcus and Anthony. It couldn't be further from the truth. That pisses me off. It really does. We had a great conversation. He actually wished us well. We said, hopefully you'll be back soon, blah, blah, blah. And that was that. Animated? Yes, but animated because we were laughing about it. I don't understand why things like that happened. If you weren't standing there and know the details of it, I don't understand why anybody would just happen to put that out there like that. <clears throat> oh my God, 
there was a confrontation after the game. It's unprofessional, number one. That should never happen. Wherever it comes from, and I don't know where it came from, but that's not something that should ever be out there unless you were standing right there and heard the conversation, end quote. Reporter then asked, so you would characterize it as a friendly catching up? And then, quote, yeah, that's all it was. That's completely all it was. There was not a word of anger or anything that's changed at all. And I don't understand why someone would just assume and put that out there. It's irresponsible. It really is. Wherever it started, I don't know where it started, but wherever it started, it's irresponsible, end quote. So he's adamantly denying that there is any sort of confrontation between him and DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, which is no real surprise that even if there was something bad said that they he would uh, that he would just try and downplay it but again DeMarcus Cousins would fight these guys probably maybe not Gentry but AD certainly if all of a sudden they said something that really really upset him I know a lot of people have tried to send me what was the lip reading and everything and I've seen some of that but I don't know I can't read lips so I'm not going to just kind of speculate there um so it's it's just an interesting thing Then, of course, the next day from Mark Spears comes out an article that's titled over at ESPN.com, Anthony Davis hopeful that DeMarcus Cousins can return to Pelicans via free agency. We know Mark Spears, he just kind of repeats what a lot of players tell him, which is his job to do, by the way, so I have no problem with that. And here's the quote from Anthony Davis that that he has. And it's, quote, he will be a free agent next year. Hopefully down the line we can reconnect, end quote. Okay, it doesn't sound like they hate each other. There was a lot of kind of talk over Anthony Davis pushing DeMarcus Cousins out of New Orleans and then wanting to sign Julius Randle instead. That's garbage that's coming from basically inside the Pelicans organization. This was something where DeMarcus Cousins felt insulted and just decided to spurn the Pelicans and ended things. And Anthony Davis was legit caught off guard by it. He's okay with him leaving, but I don't think it was anything where he wanted him gone necessarily or out the door. I think it was he was cool if it came to that, knowing that this team just could not commit the kind of money to an injured player like that. You know, think about it. They wouldn't have offered him two years, 40 million, if AD just didn't want him on the team in the first place, even after that injury occurred. They wouldn't have offered him one year at 20 million. They wouldn't have offered him one year at 12. They did all of that, and it's just he felt insulted and didn't take it and then decided to try and go elsewhere. As we've talked about here on the podcast, it wasn't anyone pushing him out because they still wouldn't have been trying to re-sign him then, and anyone who says otherwise is just repeating what basically someone from inside the Pelicans organization, because I've heard all of these stories and I've talked to those people about it too, and talked to the media people about it, is just pushing that, and it has nothing to do with it, and they're just kind of pushing their side. Just like when Spears put that DeMarcus Cousins article out there, it was just pushing Cousins' sides. Both sides were just doing their own thing to try and look better in the media. So I don't think Anthony Davis dislikes DeMarcus Cousins at all. I think he just understands it's a business and wants what's best for this Pelicans team, and it's kind of just as simple as that. You know, I also don't think that DeMarcus Cousins is necessarily going to come back from this team whatsoever either. So I wouldn't, again, worry about it there. You know, DeMar- uh, continuing on this, Anthony Davis said, of course, it was a shitty situation, but I felt like we had something going. And I think if he would have played in the playoff series against the Warriors, it would have been different. 
he liked him. You guys, I'm telling you. And he was kind of caught off guard with this. There's no bad blood there necessary. It's just he's not on the team anymore, and so he's focused on the Pelicans. The good news, if you're a Pelicans fan, out of all this kind of stupid drama, to be honest, is AD still talks about how he's here, and this is what he wants to be doing, and he wants to win here. He said, I got two years to 2021. I'm here, and whatever happens after that happens. For me, right now, it's about being the most dominant player in the league and helping this team win. He goes, you hear all the rumors, you hear all the talk, but it's not coming from me. I'm here to be a Pelican, help this team move forward, and help this team win a championship. He's not coming out like Kyrie Irving saying, I'm going to resign and all of that. He's coming out and saying, I'm here right now, and I'm going to do what's best for this team, which is all you can really ask for from him during this. Kyrie Irving only said that stuff about Boston re-signing there because he has this is the final year of his deal, and he's going to sign a new contract next year. It's a little ways away for Anthony Davis before he'd sign a new deal, so he doesn't want to say, yes, I'm going to be here, and I want to be a Pelican, then go out and get hurt, and all of a sudden they offer him a lower deal, and he doesn't want to take it and then walks away, and then he's going to get ripped for saying he wanted to be here, but then not taking the lower deal. He's just being smart about this sort of thing, but very clearly is still focused here on New Orleans and wanting to uh, be you know, the best player and help this Pelicans team win. So this is a lot to do about nothing, to be honest. So it, it is what it is. I don't think anyone really needs to read more into it. They don't, they're not best friends anymore. They might still be, I don't know, but they're also on different teams and it's as simple as that, but there's no bad blood. And again, he didn't try and force him out of here. Again, they wouldn't try to offer him that contract, but I don't think anything really badly was said in there. You know, Alvin Gentry seems to say it was joking. Maybe it was, who knows, but I think it's safe to move on from this topic now. So while the big games are all football games this weekend for Louisiana, the big names are over on the Locked On NBA podcast, Monday through Friday, recapping everything you need to know around the league. And we've added Sam Amick of The Athletic to the rotation. He's on various days. And Ben Golliver of SportsIllustrated.com, two of the very best. You want some real good insight into the NBA just as a whole around the league, other teams, just kind of a quick catch up on everything you need to know going on. Well, then listen to Locked On NBA with those guys. And of course, I host every Wednesday alongside John Krause of the Locked On Celtics podcast. We have a lot of fun on there. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. But the Pelicans also play this weekend as they take on the San Antonio Spurs. The 5-2, and two, by the way, San Antonio Spurs, third in the Western Conference. Better record than the Pelicans right now. Like I've been saying, I'm not ready to write this team off despite kind of the way the roster looks and that it's not actually that appealing and who the hell is going to play defense on there too. They're still a Popovich coach team and they just do all the little things right. And they're kind of doing that now. So for this team, as we preview the game, because they do have a game on Saturday here and the Spurs, again, five and two, 10th best offense in the league, 19th worst best defense, however you want to say it. Uh, they're 19th out of 30th, so not great in that regards. And yeah, they don't really have a ton of guys that can kind of play on that side of the ball or make you kind of feel inspired there. Their offense is also a little rough as well because it's so centered around DeMar DeRozan and all of the long mid-range shots that he takes. It can work, but you're going to kind of have more variance to that and live and die by that than, say, some other teams who can manufacture better quality, more efficient looks. That's why when you look at the Spurs team, their two losses were kind of blowouts against them. And then, you know, four of their five wins, a little bit closer than you'd like. And it's kind of Popovich who maybe kind of gives them the edge there when it comes to everything. 
So DeMar DeRozan, 27.9 points per game. He's only taking 1.6 threes. So he's doing all of this damage at the rim. He's taking almost 21 shots there. So he's basically taking like 20 mid-range shots or at the rim shots per game. But he's doing it well. He also gives you 7.3 assists per game and 5.7 rebounds. LaMarcus Aldridge is also there. 20.6 points per game for him to go along with nine boards, three assists, and he's giving you a little bit over a block as well. He is just kind of solid down low, though he's not shooting particularly well this year. Rudy Gay's kind of reinvented his career. It's kind of weird to think that he's only 32 and he's been around the league for oh so long. 14.3 points per game alongside 8.4 rebounds. He's kind of that go-to score for them here. He's played off the bench in one game, but primarily starts. After that, it just kind of gets a little bit dicey, though they do have some shooters on this team. You've got uh, Brian Forbes, who's taken 5.13 per game. He's also given the Spurs 13.4 points. He's shooting 41.7 for deep. We all know about Marco Bellinelli. He's taken 4.73 per game, but only shooting 30% from deep. And then you have Patty Mills off the bench, kind of spark plug guy there, who's the longest tenured spur now, I think I read, um, out there. He's giving you a handful of points in every game, just eight to go along with just 1.3 assists. He's kind of that go-to lightning quick scorer off the bench, but the Pelicans should be able to kind of contain that a little bit. It's De- uh, LaMarcus Aldridge down low that can hurt you. And then who guards DeMar DeRozan? Do you throw Drew Holiday there? It's probably the best bet to try and slow him down, but you also, I guess, maybe want him shooting given that he's a little bit more inefficient than some other players out there. There's a reason these Spurs take a whole lot of long twos, and it's basically because of DeRozan, though. He's good. He is. You're not, you know, again, averaging almost 28 points per game is a pretty impressive number. This is a team, by the way, that barely turns the ball over offensively. They're actually second best at not doing that. Um, They're one of the better rebounding teams in the league, top 10 in both defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding. To beat this team, you've got to just do the little things well. Popovich does a ton. I'm telling you guys, don't write this Spurs team off just yet. They don't foul a ton. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They make their free throws at a high rate. They shoot the ball reasonably well. Don't take a ton of threes, but they're a good three-point shooting team when they do. By the way, fifth in the league in that regard. It's just, do they keep up with the Pelicans? You know, their pace is going to be kind of an issue here. They're a very slow-paced team. Pelicans are fast. Their defense isn't good. You play your game, the Pelicans game, they should be able to win, even on the road. But the Spurs are very good at home. So we're going to see. It's tough. You know, early in the season, there's still a lot of things kind of being shaken out. And the Spurs and who they really are, are they going to be a good team this year? Are they going to be a playoff team after losing Kawhi Leonard, integrating a new guy like uh, DeMar DeRozan? But they look pretty good, and I wouldn't say this is necessarily going to be an easy win. But if you can make them pay defensively, that's the way to attack this team. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. If you're a new listener, thank you for tuning in. You've been here since the beginning. I appreciate it as well. And please tell your friends, get them clued into the podcast, get them on the Pelicans bandwagon. It's going to be a lot of fun this year. Enjoy the game against the Spurs this weekend. Enjoy the football games if you're watching those. And of course, I'll be back on Monday to recap that and then preview the game against Oklahoma City. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Noel. Jake on Twitter and we'll be back with you all tomorrow or on Monday sorry 